Alrighty, welcome to the Nuggets of Gold podcast, everybody. I'm here with Javi Verga. Is that how you say it? Javi Verga? Javier Vega. Sorry. Javier Vega. All right. Yeah. Um, and so you want to give yourself a brief introduction? Uh, yeah, yeah. This is Javi from the Fourth of Gold podcast. Most of you guys who listen probably have heard of me or the podcast at least. Um, so yeah, we've been doing the pod for about 16 months now affiliated with Pro Football Network. So You'll follow me on Twitter at JavierVeg underscore. And uh, for all 49er content, some Yankee content, and then, of course, an, an occasional political rant. It depends on, depends on how I'm feeling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and if you haven't checked out their show, you definitely should. I've, I've listened to quite a few episodes. No, I wouldn't say I'm a regular listener, but I've listened here and there. And if, if I see something on Twitter that intrigues me, I, I listen. So it's a great show, uh, him and Matt Barr. So today we're going to be just talking some 49ers football. Um, we're recording this on Friday. The 49ers-Cardinals game is scheduled for Sunday. However, there's been some air quality issues, and it potentially could get postponed because there, there can't be a game if the air quality is over 200, and right now it's projected to be at 217. Um, Javi, you're, in, you're in Texas, so obviously you don't have this air quality issue. I'm in San Luis Obispo, and if you guys don't know where that is, it's in Central California. It's mm-hmm. been pretty bad here but nothing like San Francisco. San Francisco looks like a war zone right now. So if their quality is bad, I mean, obviously you don't want them to play. You don't want players getting sick. I mean, you can have serious tra- like traumatic events in your lungs and stuff if you go out there and play in that. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Maybe we'll get some midweekday game or something weird going on. But hopefully there's a game. I mean, I've been looking forward to it all summer. They have had nothing to do. So, <laughs> so hopefully that's the case. But um, to start out the show – I'm going to be posting an article tomorrow um, about Jimmy G and why I think he should, why I think he can be an MVP candidate this year. I don't think he's going to win the MVP. I want to put that out right away. There are too many good players. We have Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson. One of those guys is most likely going to win the MVP award. But I think that Jimmy's going to put up a monster season. And I think that he's going to be in the running, maybe like top five come the last couple weeks of the year. Mm-hmm. And that's an MVP candidate. Is he, like, going to win it? No, I don't think that he really has a chance to win it. But I think he's going to prove a lot of people wrong. I mean, this offseason we've seen a lot of people acting like Jimmy isn't even a top 20 quarterback. Um, I stand that he's – right now he's the borderline top 10 kind of guy. I don't think he's performed very well last year, Um, at least in the first half of the season. He had a lot of struggles, a lot of throws where he misses a buzz linebacker and throws it right into his arms. So that's always frustrating to watch. (laughs) But, yeah, but overall, when he needs to step up, he stepped up. Um, and, and so my three points of why I think he's going to be an MVP candidate, the offense is more built to pass. The defense is likely going to take a step back, and I think they're still going to be a great defense, but they're, they were a dominant defense last year. They were the best pass defense since Darrell Revis, the Darrell Revis Jets team, and that yeah. was Darrell Revis and Antonio Cromartie. So it's not like this was just like, oh, yeah, it's a good defense. No, it was a dominant, historically dominant defense. So I don't think they're going to be that good. DeForest Buckner is gone. That's a huge blow. People don't really, I don't know, they don't emphasize how big of a loss that is, and that can be. Hopefully the, the interior defensive line, I mean, it's pretty deep, so hopefully those guys take over. But I don't know. I don't think we're going to be seeing the same dominance from the defensive side of the ball. 
going to lead to more shootouts. And one of the biggest reasons why I think that Jimmy actually has a chance is the first four weeks of the season are against the Cardinals, the Jets, the Giants, and the Eagles. And that final game is on Sunday night football. None of those teams are good at defending the pass. And when you have a guy like Kyle Shanahan, he's going to scheme up plays to get guys open. And Jimmy's going to light up the stat sheet the first month. And we see it every year. Last year, you see Lamar Jackson, he comes in. And obviously, Jimmy is not Lamar. But week one, they just absolutely dominate the Dolphins. And he's immediately into, oh, this guy could win the MVP. Yeah. You start out hot, you're in the running. And you'll hang out in the running. Um, I know I have some Vikings fans that told me that Kirk Cousins was in the running. Now I don't believe that. <laughs> but he did light up the stat sheet at the beginning of the year. Um, not the first week because he threw under 100 yards. <laughs> but like midseason, he was doing really well. Yeah. And that's just kind of how the NFL goes. If you put up numbers, you're going to be talked about, oh, could this guy win the MVP? So, Javi, what do you think about this take that he could be an MVP candidate? Um, I mean, I agree with the take that he can be an MVP candidate. I'm very much opposed to Jimmy Garoppolo winning an MVP because the last time an MVP, uh, the person who won the MVP last time they won the Super Bowl was Kurt Warner. So it's been a long time that the MVP actually went to title. Um, I agree with you that this offense is um, built more towards the pass. Um, I'm not saying they're going to be predominantly a pass team, but when you have receivers like Debo, Brandon Ayuk, um, and of course, if if this resurgence of uh, Dante Pettis actually happens, and you have three yak monsters that potentially could be a big part of Jimmy's, you know, exploding numbers, and then of course, Trent Taylor being back at you know a third down monster that's going to increase his third down efficiency numbers, so that's going to be another part of it. Um, speaking, of, you know, speaking of the de- defense, yeah, the Forest Buckner is a humongous loss. That's nine sacks. That's a double digit sack guy gone every year, and. You know, um, for those of you who do follow me on Twitter, I've been on the Kinlaw train since since the draft, and I, I believe in the kid. But I also believe that he was just more – he was there to help stop the run. Like, that's his primary job. He's going to be a two-down defensive tackle. So we're going to have to – you know, if you look at the Niners game, they were getting gouged up the middle um, a lot of times because they're playing that wide nine. So you have Javon Kinlaw and then DJ Jones. If they're, Those two guys are likely to be in your base-down situations. So you're gonna have to try. You're gonna try to stop the run, and then we're gonna see if teams want to throw the ball on Richard Sherman and who's the other corner, Akello or Emmanuel Mosley. So we'll we may see some shootouts. We may see some high scoring games. We may see the defense still finish in the top five, maybe not top one or two like they were last year, but in the top five, it's still a good defense and gets you through. But you want you want more out of your quarterback, right? Like you want you want Jimmy to you know to put up monster numbers, but at the same time, Kyle Shanahan is very much focused on efficiency as opposed to the statistic. So as long as he can get these third down conversions and control the clock, Kyle Shanahan is a time possession monster. He wants to 30 to 35 touches on the running backs and then 20, 25 to 28 drop backs for Jimmy. Um, and you control the clock. You, 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 it's all about time possession with Kyle Shanahan and getting those efficiency numbers, get those third downs converted and then get back right to the run game. You know, keep defenses on their heels. He's going to set you up a certain way. So he'll, you know, he's going to do run, run. And then in that run, there's a motion um, on those runs and the defense like, oh, okay. And then they were going to run it that same play, but this time it's a pass and the defense doesn't know what's going to happen. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think Jimmy can have a really fast start. And I think primarily because the linebackers stink for all four teams that are <laughs> in the beginning of the season. Now, Isaiah Simmons, we'll see. I'm not really a big fan. Um, Devondre Campbell, they got him from Atlanta. Now he's in Arizona. If we all remember correctly, George Kittle took his lunch money in that Atlanta game for 12 for 134. Um, 
the Eagles linebackers, both of them are rookies, if I'm not mistaken. The Giants, Giants defense stinks. Um, and then the Jets, they lost Mosley because he opted out. So that even then, the linebacker play is going to be more beneficial um, against, for the Niners. You know, that's, that's just something that Kyle Shanahan loves to target. If you will go back and watch Kyle Shanahan all, all last season, he targeted the weak linebackers, and he targeted the linebackers who couldn't play coverage. And you saw that against the Packers twice. You saw that against um, – you saw it against Seattle in certain areas where they just get KJ Wright by himself or um, Eric or Kendricks where Kendricks end up tearing his ACL against Juszczyk in the week 17 game. Like he, he finds a way to get his best playmakers on the linebackers and that's how you get these yards. So, yeah, I mean, I think Jimmy can get in that conversation early. Does he stay there all season? That's a, that's a, that's a different question, but yeah, I think at the end of the year, we'll be looking at a Jimmy Garoppolo with a 4,000 yard season, you know, 28 touchdowns and hopefully the interceptions are in single digits. Yeah, the inter- interceptions are definitely a big a big reason why people have a lot of negativity towards Jimmy, and, and it makes sense. But at the same time, he hasn't played very much. He has 29 career games, um, and that's including the playoffs. I like that you brought up how Kyle wants to make the offense very efficient. And a big reason why I think Jimmy's going to be a lot better this year is because Trent Taylor, Jarek McKinnon, hopefully back. Obviously, we haven't seen them in a couple of seasons. But – Jimmy didn't throw the ball away very much last year. And you look at when he runs into problems, it's third down, maybe not third down, but a lot of pressure, and he tries to force something. Who were his safety blankets last year? Because he didn't really have them. Like, yeah, Tevin Coleman and Raheem Mostert, like, they're the running backs. They're not really security blankets. Maybe Kyle Juszczyk, you could say him. But Jarek McKinnon is a much better passing back than both, both of those guys. And Trent Taylor is probably going to be the best route runner on the team. So you have those guys underneath. That's a huge help for Jimmy because he goes, oh, no, it's not a panic. It's just a little check down to Jarek. And you have, you have McKinnon. I mean, he's, we've seen how good he, he was on the Vikings. And if you have him in a specific role that's tailor-made for him specifically where he doesn't, he's on a lead back, but he's the receiving back. He's the guy on third down. I think that is going to be a huge help for him. And I think that's going to cut down a lot of his picks because last season, like you see him forcing balls. And of course, like sometimes it works out perfectly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have the game against the Rams where he converts back to back third and 15. There's not many, not many quarterbacks doing that. And he's forcing them. I mean, he threw the ball to, I think it was Kendrick Bourne on the first one. Yep. He threw the pass right on the money, but it's a dangerous pass. And then, then he hits Emmanuel Sanders over the top and that was a blown coverage, but still like he's looking to move the ball downfield. And this season, you might see a lot more efficiency from him. And I think that can make a huge difference. Because Jimmy's a very underrated playmaker, especially because he during his first season on the 49ers, 2017, comes in, he was fantastic. And people don't realize, like, he wasn't just sitting in the pocket with good players around him. Like, that mm-hmm. roster was – they were 1-10 before he showed up. So they were not doing very well. And he was making a ton of plays with his legs. Then he gets the ACL injury. And he, he can have a bounce back year if he can extend some plays and just be efficient, get the ball out quick, and, and just play overall a lot better. And I think that the personnel has been more tailor-made for that type of season. Yeah, you know, that was another, that's another issue with the Niners last season. I, you know, even though they went 13-3, and Kyle found ways to get guys open, you know, with George and, and um, you know, Kendrick Bourne. You know, he gets – Kendrick Bourne's an underrated part of this offense. You know, he was vital in third downs, and, and he, all he does is score touchdowns and first downs, and that's – or not score touchdowns and first downs, but 
make plays. He's a playmaker. Um, and that's what you want out of a guy, you know, who's undrafted and he's your fourth option. But this season, Jarek McKinnon being there, Trent Taylor being back. So, yeah, that's your safety valve. You need that. Um, and with the concerns with the offensive line, you're going to need to get the ball out quickly. And I know we have two good good tackles, McGlinchey and Trent Williams, and I like Lakin Tomlinson. But that right side of the offensive line, the guard position and center position, is still a huge question mark. Yeah, we can say we won about Daniel Brunskill. He only, he's done it a couple times. He hasn't done it for a full season. And then, of course, the center position, Ben Garland played fairly well down the stretch. But if we go back to that Rams game where there's two third and 15s, the reason we're in those positions is partly because of Ben Garland and, you know, having the pocket collapse on Jimmy Garoppolo where he couldn't step up and he's running right into Clay Matthews and he's running right into Aaron Donald. Those things are concerning. Um, now, the first four weeks of the season – None of those pass rushes really concern me um, just because the only one that would concern me is Fletcher Cox. That's really the, the only name. Chandler Jones versus Trent Williams, it's nice. But I think the interior part of the 49ers offensive line can sustain some success against the Cardinals front. Um, so, you know, if, if they clean those things up and if even, even if he does have some pressure, having McKinnon out there on third down and Trent Taylor there on third down, you have some really good safety valves. And if he has to push it, I love this kid, Brandon Ayuk. And if he has to push it downfield to get a guy open, Brandon Ayuk can beat man coverage. Brandon Ayuk, to me, is, is Kyle Shanahan's version of Odell Beckham. Get off press man and explode. Um, also, he can just take a screen to the house. Like, he's that type of guy. If Debo's back, you know, and healthy, ready to go, you got a lot of mismatches with those guys. You can do a whole bunch of stuff with this offense. But, but like, to your point about the safety valves, yeah, having Trent Taylor, Jared McKinnon there, is ideal. Tevin Coleman, you know, I don't, I don't know what's, I don't know what the deal is with Tevin Coleman. I know Kyle Shanahan loves his, loves his guys, but Tevin Coleman is a guy I would not have chosen over Matt Breida, but I'm not the head coach. So yeah, he has Jimmy this for see this season for sure has some, some safety valves and thank God he's going to need it. <laughs> yeah. No, it's true about the offensive line and, and you brought up Brunskill. A lot of people ask, like, Brunskill is, like, an all-pro right guard because <laughs> he came in and played well. Like, I think that it definitely could be an upgrade this season, but we don't know that. It's still a question mark. Center's been a question mark since they signed Weston Richburg because he was supposed to be that guy, and obviously injuries have derailed his 49ers career. But him and Ben Garland, it's not, it's not the best one-two punch at center. Um, and right guard Brunskill, hopefully he's there. Hopefully he plays well. But but you brought up like those are those are big question marks. And interior pressure is the hardest thing to scheme around. Um, I've heard a lot of former coaches, a lot of former scouts talk about that. If you have a defensive tackle that can pierce through the in- interior offensive line, it's going to cause so many problems for the 40, for the 49ers and for Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, and we saw that in the Super Bowl. Chris Jones yeah. absolutely went on a tear. I recently watched that game, and I want to say, okay, how, how bad did Jimmy play? Jimmy didn't play that bad. He missed a couple he didn't throws. Play that bad. Yeah. But it's Chris Jones is in his face every single play in the fourth quarter. Like, that's, yeah. that's not some random defensive tackle. That is a very good defensive tackle making huge plays and stepping up. I mean, we saw him last night in the Texans Chiefs game. He played fantastic. They lined, him, a, right, they lined him right over Fenton, and he destroyed Fenton the entire time. And going back to the Super Bowl, um, with Jones, they Spagnuolo is smart. Like he, that's one thing that was underrated about the Super Bowl. Like Spagnuolo is a smart defensive coordinator. He sent the delayed blitz. 
So that's on Garland and that's on um, person to engage, get your hands on these guys, like move forward. You don't have to step. You don't have to be backpedaling, move forward. You have that three yards area that you can move forward in a pass play and engage Chris Jones. Like, what are you doing? No, they backpedaled and waited. And as they wait, here comes Chris Jones getting his hands up and now the ball is batted. Now Jimmy needs to be better with that, but Kyle had schemed up two plays perfectly. This, if these two plays are executed, this game is over. George Kittle is one-on-one with Terrell Suggs. That is the ultimate mismatch, especially Terrell, Terrell Suggs in his late, this late in his career. He has no business covering George Kittle. George Kittle is wide open. That ball gets batted at the line. George Kittle catches that ball. That's a 30- to 40-yard reception. And we're in field goal range. At the very least, we get a field goal out of that. And the game's over. The game would practically be over then. Um, the other one, uh, the other batted ball, again, Kittle, linebacker. Same thing. And then the third, the third throw that, was, that really pissed me off, it wasn't even a bat down. He chose to go to Kendrick Bourne, who ran the wrong route. Like, Kendrick went in instead of going out when he still had George Kittle one-on-one with Sorensen, and Kittle was wide open again. So it was, you know, for those people who were like, why didn't you just run it? The play calls were perfect. The offensive line didn't execute. And Jimmy Garoppolo made one dumb mistake with that throw to Bourne as opposed to going to Kittle there. And then, of course, the big one, he overthrows um, Emmanuel Sanders. People are saying he had too much. He, he had pressure in his face. Jimmy had a clean pocket. He had a clean pocket for that pass. He just overthrew it. The one time he, he – I, I criticized Jimmy Garoppolo on his deep ball, and the one time he overthrows, it happened to be the, the worst time to do so because all season he had underthrown the deep ball, and, you know, guys had to kind of come back or stop their route to go catch it. And this one time, Jimmy just three yards over his head. It's like, oh. It's heartbreaking because it was a perfect season. Like, everything was in their favor, um, you know, for 49ers fans who follow, follow along with the Niners media. Uh, you know, uh, Tony York, um, he passed away or, he, you know, he had committed suicide. And, you know, Jedrick York had that passionate speech, you know, champions become – champions act like – champions behave like champions before they become champions. And, you know, they had that whole thing going um, up to the Super Bowl. And then, of course, T.J. Beathard's brothers die. CJ Beathard's brother is murdered, and then the, the team has just got this rallying rallying factor. And then, of course, they you know dominate the Vikings, they dominate the Packers, and they're, here they are, and it it falls apart in seven minutes. It's so frustrating. Yeah, absolutely, and it it was sad to see. I've I've never seen my team win a championship. I don't know. Were you alive for the 49ers championships in the nineties? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I've seen. Well, I've saw I saw the ninety four Super Bowl. Um, I was three for the 89 Super Bowl, but, you know, I was, I grew up around my cousins who are, you know, about 12, 15 years older than me. So they, you know, they explained to me the Montana years, the Jerry Rice years. So that's kind of how I became a fan. So I've been, I've been a Niner fan since I was like seven or eight. So, you know, growing up, growing up in Pennsylvania, um, it's all Eagles and Steelers. And I was like, no, I'm going to rock this red. This red looks good. So, um, you know, I stuck with the 49ers all the way through and through. And then I went to the military, lived in Seattle when Seattle was good. It's, uh, it was miserable because the Niners stunk at those time. And, you know, if you go, I think it was 05 Steelers and Seahawks Super Bowl. I was there for that playoff run. I cut, went to a couple games that season in Seattle. It's, um, it was rough being a Niners fan, that's for sure, for that stretch from 05 to, you know, of course, till Harbaugh showed up. Yeah, and then even in the hardball years, the Seahawks seemed to barely get the best of us over and over. <laughs> um, no, I, I definitely 
understand the struggles. Um, I'm a Clippers, Padres, and 49ers fan. So I'm, I'm waiting. Right now is a good mm-hmm. year. Every, everyone's yeah. good. <laughs> I would say everyone's probably like the second best roster in the conference. So Slam hopefully – Slam yeah, Diego, Slam Diego. Man. Slam Diego's sweet, and that's that's probably been the worst team I've, I've watched over my my <laughs> life. Consistently last place, but but yeah, I, I like the stuff you're bringing up. I like you brought up a lot about Brandon Ayuk. Matt Mayoko just said that he was, I believe, he just said that he was the best rookie wide receiver he'd seen in his time covering the 49ers. So I mean, that's fantastic praise. And if you just watch some Brandon Ayuk, like watch him out there cutting like you see why Kyle Shanahan likes him. The dude, the dude oh, yeah. is so explosive. He's so long. I believe Michael Irvin, I believe it was Michael Irvin. He called him an area code wide receiver because you throw it up to him and he'll, he'll come down with it. Basically you throw it in his range, <laughs> um, yeah. which I love. I love that, that nickname, that area code wide receiver. But I, I, I like your points. I like the stuff you're bringing up about the interior offensive line. That's something that that's the biggest issue of the offense you have all these playmakers that could be mismatches. Debo Samuel isn't your prototypical number one wide receiver, but you have a guy scheming up plays like Kyle Shanahan. You don't need him to be. You need him to be the guy that he is. You need him to play just how, how he did last season. George Kittle, I mean, he's, he's an, as impressive as it gets all around. Mm-hmm. Kyle, you got Kyle Juszczyk. I wished we would have had Jalen Hurd this year. Bummer that he got hurt. But nice. you have all you have all the yeah, you have all these guys, Brandon Ayuk. You can you can toss Debo in the backfield. We started seeing those motions where they'd run the jet sweeps with Debo. I, mm-hmm. I don't know how if you're like a, if you're a linebacker playing the 49ers, it is gonna be a brutal day every single time. And so that's why that's my that's just why I see Jimmy having a big year. Because this offense is built a lot differently. You have and Trent Williams is most likely gonna be an, an upgrade over Staley. Staley last oh, yeah. year and Staley missed like nine games last year, six games, mm-hmm. something like that. He didn't play the full season. Um, and McGlinchey didn't either. And they were able to hang on and survive with that. If the interior offensive line can outperform what it did last season, and there's not a ton of reason really to believe that, but if they can just hang on and other aspects of the offense can improve because they should improve, I think we're going to see a special season from Jimmy. Um, yeah. but, but moving on, I want to talk about week one. I brought up, yeah, Jimmy can have a huge game to start out. Well, last season – here is stat lines against the Arizona Cardinals. Week nine, he goes 28 of 37 for 317 yards, four touchdowns, zero picks. And they win a nice – that was the Halloween game. Yep. Then two weeks later, week 11, 34 of 40, 45 for 424 yards, four touchdowns, two interceptions. Had the two picks, but that game he balled out. That game ends with the Jeff Wilson walk-off touchdown, which was one of the coolest celebrations I've seen. That was sweet. <laughs> um, so he's carved up the, the Cardinals. And even, even when he was on the Patriots, it was week one, he comes in, Brady's suspended, and he torched them. And that's when the Cardinals had a good defense. That's when they – I believe the year before they were in the NFC – or the, yeah, the NFC championship game. And they, I think that was the year where they had the crazy Larry Fitz overtime against the Packers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's a good team. He he's just consistently played against the Cardinals really well. I think he can continue that. We were talking about how Kyle Shanahan likes to scheme up against linebackers. I think both of the linebackers, linebacking core in this this game, have a ton on their plate. The 49ers, they're gonna have to try and slow down Kyler Murray. If he starts running and starts getting extra plays, and Fred Warner and Drake Greenlaw and Quan Alexander aren't able to really make him make the tackles in the open field on Kyler, it's going to be rough. It's going to be a rough game for the defense. 
last season, this was one of the tougher matchups. It's it's going to help a lot to have guys like D Ford and Kwaski Card in there because I mean they're just playmakers and they're fast and they're able to handle the athleticism of Kyler Murray. But this linebacking core has to play well. And for the Cardinals, good luck stopping George Kittle and the rushing attack and Kyle Juszczyk coming across the middle. If Debo Samuel plays Debo Samuel in the middle, um, the 49ers are going to try to carve up the middle of the field against the Cardinals. And the Cardinals are going to try to have Kyler Murray just win the game for them. So the linebacking core, I think that's where the game is going to be won or lost this week. Yeah, no, I – I absolutely agree, and it sounds like Debo Samuel's not going to play this week. Um, he's not even out. He's not out to practice right now. I just got a text message, so he's not even at practice. Um, or he, he's. I mean, he's in the building, but he's not practicing as of yet. Um, two things, a couple of things that, that are missed with the Cardinals games, both of them. The Niners, uh, just Joe Staley didn't play in either game, um, and Quan Alexander gets hurt within like the first ten minutes of the first game, so he doesn't play the second time. So you're getting you're getting a linebacking core with Drake Greenlaw on his second start um, after the Seahawks game. So there was a lot of lot of stuff going on there. Now this season you're adding in a Trent Williams. You're starting off the season with Fred and Quan healthy and fresh. So that's going to help them out with trying to contain. You can't stop Kyler Murray. You can just contain him. That's going to be helpful. Kyler Murray's going to get his. We're going to get ours. That's just kind of how it's going to go. Um, also, D Ford. D Ford played very minimal snaps in both games. Um, so it wasn't like he, he was, he was healthy either. So there's a, there's a lot of factors here. I know we, the Niners played them tough. The, the second game, the Niners came out, they were down 16, nothing. They had just got off that Monday night game. Like there was some hangover from that game. Like, and you could feel it to begin the game. Kyle had to do something and scheme it up. And that's how you get that big Richie James, um, bubble screen, backdoor screen, whatever you want to call it. And then they're off to the race and then they kind of woke up. So, I think the Niners have have that taste in their mouth stuff from Super Bowl, and they want to come out and just dominate. We saw the Chiefs last night dominate, and I think the Niners want to match them, which is also a bad thing. Like you're not you're not chasing the Chiefs; you're chasing the NFC. You got to get the NFC done first. So I'm not a big fan of the revenge tour moniker. I think it's stupid. Like you lost Super Bowl on self on self inflicted wounds. Like that's what happened. So let's just get back to it. Like there's no reason to have these things. And also, you know, I watched Michigan go on their revenge tour. It didn't work out. So anyone who watched college football should know Michigan tried that, that moniker and didn't work. But um, on Sunday, Quan and Fred are going to be huge. You have to figure out a way to keep Kenyon Drake contained and Kyler Murray in the pocket, keep him in the pocket. I'd rather him be in the pocket than scramble all over the place. Like he can throw for 300 yards. Just don't let him get a hundred yards rushing. Cause that's when you're going to lose the game. Cause then your time of possession um, on on for the Cardinals goes up and you're just you're gassing your own defense. So keep him in the pocket, let him throw it all over the yard if he wants to. That's fine. You can survive that way. If you let him get out of the pocket and he's throwing for 300 yards, it's gonna be a long day for the Niners. But I think they have enough. I think they have plenty to to do that and and come out victorious on Sunday. And then conversely, Isaiah Simmons is a rookie. We just got done talking about how Kyle Shanahan likes to mess with linebackers. And a rookie linebacker going against this offense is something, you know, I think the Cardinals would be concerned about. And, and some from some reports, it's not all sunshine and rainbows with Isaiah Simmons in Arizona. He's got a lot to learn um, being, you know, he was a hybrid type player in at Clemson and he played around a, you know, a, a very, very, very good defense. So 
we'll, we'll see what he looks like when he has less talented players around him. And then Devondre Campbell is the other linebacker. Um, Hassan Reddick is like the third string linebacker. And then Hicks um, is the other one. And none of those guys scare me as far as this team goes. But Jimmy, Jimmy Grubble is not a runner, so they don't have to worry about that. But if, they, if the Niners come, can come out with 21 personnel and get a linebacker matched up on t- Jordan Reed or George Kittle, that's a victory for the Niners. Like, that's just the way I see the matchup, matchups going. You got two really good route runners with Kittle and Reed. And then if they want to throw in Trent Taylor in the slot or to put him out wide, you're going to force a linebacker out there or a safety out there. It's, uh, it's a, there's a lot of ways to spread them out. So I think the Niners have a lot of opportunity here in this game to win it and pull it out. Um, it, you know, it, to me, it all comes down to Jimmy. Just limit the mistakes and control the, cl- control the clock. Yeah, I completely agree. I also like how you brought up how Isaiah Simmons has a ton on his plate. I tweeted out earlier this week that it's a week one lock that Trent Williams is going to pancake block Isaiah Simmons. <laughs> so it's going to be a tough one for him, no doubt. But it'll be, it'll be an exciting game. Um, and then the other big matchup, I guess, this is more like just for fantasy and people watching from the outside, is definitely going to be DeAndre Hopkins versus Richard Sherman. Uh, I don't know. It's just exciting. I, I like Richard. I, I don't know where you stand on Richard, Javier. I know oh, a lot I love of, Richard. I love okay, Richard. good. Because I know a lot of 49ers fans are like, oh, he's a Seahawk. You know, he, he, him and Crabtree had their beef. But I, even, even, as, even when Sherman was a Seahawk, I liked Sherman much better than Michael Crabtree. At least Richard Sherman would talk shit and back it up. Crabtree would talk and bitch and moan and do nothing on the field. So, you know, for that the whole situation to play out, you know, Crabtree doing what he did in, on the offseason with Sherman and his family, it's like, all right, Crab, like, what are you talking about? And, then, you know, we, we proceed to see how Crabtree's career panned out. I mean, he had some good seasons, but getting your chain pulled by keep to lead, you know, back-to-back <laughs> seasons, uh, that kind of says a lot about who you are as a person. Um, but with Richard Sherman as a Niner, I think – He's a huge part of why this team is good. Like, he is a huge part of why the team made the turn. He's a huge reason why there's a culture change in San Francisco. Um, I want him here for the next two to three years. Like he said, he wants to keep playing. So I hope those contract negotiations are, are in place. I know that they've had the conversation. I hope that something materializes soon so you can lock him up. But for me, I think the Cardinals are going to try to keep DeAndre Hopkins on the other side of Richard Sherman. Wherever Sherman is not, Hopkins will be. And that's what they're going to do. They're going to test Mosley or Witherspoon or Jason Verrett, whoever it may be on that other side. Um, and this is where this defensive line has to get pressure. It has to force him to make errant throws and dumb decisions. And if they can do that, then you won't see a Hopkins humongous game, which I hope doesn't happen because it's, you know, like I said, if you get a 300-yard passing game, Plus the you know hundred yards rushing out of, out of Murray, probably the Niners probably lose this game. But I think they can limit one of the two. Um, the Niners should come out victorious. But yeah, the the matchup, the biggest matchup to me is is cornerback two versus Kirk and Hopkins and you know Isabella and you know I know K1 can cover Larry Fitzgerald in the slot, so I'm not really too worried about that. Although it's yeah. Larry Fitzgerald, Larry is a legend. I love Larry. Larry Larry is awesome. He's actually a, he's a friend of the Worst Take Network. He uh, when we were first starting, there was a Pebble Beach pro am, and the other co-founder of Worst Take came out. Uh, his uncle came out and said, "Hey, can you give these guys a shout out?" So Larry said, "Like, oh, I hope you guys wish you guys the best on your on your network and all that <laughs> stuff." So gotta love Larry Fitz. I'll always shout him out whenever whenever I hear the name. But 
he is a legend. Not quite the guy he, he once was, but he's, he's still mm-hmm. a fantastic player. So Absolutely. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how, how he's utilized this year as well. Just uh, that's something I want to watch just because it's, you can't root against Larry Fitz. He's no, one of the coolest guys in the league. Um, but yeah, so, so just to wrap it up real quick, just want to say the current line for this game is the Niners minus seven. I'm not going to touch that. Um, Me neither. It's just kind of, uh, I don't know. Don't like it. The total <laughs> points for the game, the over under is going to be at 48. Both games last year were over that by a decent amount. Um, obviously the one game, the second game was the one how the ball gets thrown back and that's how the over got covered. So kind of funny, but <laughs> But I'd probably take the over in this game just because week one, kind of interesting. Two very good offenses. Um, I don't know. I like the over. I don't think it's like a, oh, it's a must take or anything. But the minus seven line for the Niners, I don't like that because last year the games were close. And I could definitely see them coming out there and blowing out the Cardinals. But it could also be a close game. So it's kind of just a toss up in that. But that's just kind of where I wanted to wrap it up. But Javier, I want to say thanks so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it and wish you the best of luck on your show as well. Likewise, bro. I appreciate it. Anything you need, let me know. I'm always available. Well, not always, but just uh, we'll work it out and uh, we'll get together again soon. But uh, thanks for having me on and, um, you know, stay tuned at the fourth and Goal podcast if you want to check us out there too. Absolutely. Thanks so much. No problem. Thank you.